Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Medic Diaries. My name is Dr. Yvonne Maudor and I'm so glad you're able to join me for this episode. In case you haven't heard of Medic Diaries, it's basically a podcast which talks about the daily medical issues that we face and how we can simplify and have a a better understanding of how to deal with them. So let's get right into it, shall we? I need to apologize for my voice today. I'm getting a cold, so it's going to sound a bit weird, but we're going to push through, so just bear with me. I hope you'll be able to still get a lot of information from this. Now, we have been dealing with rather heavy topics lately, and I figured let's go a bit lighter today. Um, It's a bit of an awkward topic, however. I want us to talk about our private area hygiene. Friends sometimes cannot even have conversations about this with each other and sometimes people feel like it can be a taboo to be talking about such things but hey call me awkward girl I will talk about this stuff because we need the information you know honestly sometimes people don't actually have problems down there it's just a matter of really knowing what is the proper way or the things that you should be doing or not doing so that to keep your privates more hygienic so we're not going to talk about like the problems like the orders and the discharges uh that will be in another episode but now it's just for us to have better hygiene practices i guess please note this is an episode for both men and women and even children so please don't run away and think oh it's only for the women no guys it's for every one of us so that if you feel uncomfortable sharing your information you can always just pass on this episode to someone you know hint hint <laughs> anyway let's dive right in i want us to talk about um the female practices first then we can dive to the male practices so the first thing is just in regards to female undergarments um you have to note that the type of undergarments that you wear alone really really affects someone's hygiene down there and i'm talking about the material that is used the one which is usually encouraged is cotton because it's able to like the air can pass through it easily as opposed to other sort of materials which are a bit more prone to collecting a lot of sweat and then making it very moist okay that being said when you wear your undergarments you have to wear something which is fitting but not tight tight undergarments definitely generate a lot more sweat obviously and then lastly when actually someone goes to the washroom during the day and they forget for some reason to wipe the pee it also makes the underpants really wet and well obviously smelling as well so what is usually advised is that you wipe from front going back oh that is wiping from the vaginal area going towards the anus and the whole essence of it is if you wipe from the the back going to the front you are introducing bacteria from the anus where you poop to your vaginal area so basically the person is more prone to vaginal infections 
okay now now that i've mentioned that we should keep our undergarments dry and like the whole area dry and whatnot someone may ask me okay how about i use the talcum powders you know like the the white powders whether scented or non-scented to apply around that area to keep it dry it's a good question it is not advisable however to actually use such strong powders around that area because the vaginal area is designed by god in such a way that it's able to keep it moist enough if you add something which is very drying you're prone to having cracks when you have cracks then it means you're gonna have small micro micro um cuts there again which predisposes someone to more infections it's just like having a wound and not having a wound if you don't have a wound like a cut you getting an infection is way 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 less as opposed to if you have a small cut and then you're prone to having an infection coming through the cut i hope you guys are flowing with me the last thing i would like to mention about undergarments is wash it daily it seems like a no-brainer but yeah washing your undergarments daily is a key and the other thing is when you wash it with your soap and all it has to be dried under some form of heat if you're using a washing machine fine then when it's being dried up it has to be dried obviously with heat if you aren't using a washing machine which majority then it has to be dried under the sun like the sun literally has to heat it so that the chances of moisture and uh, bacteria growing on it is very very minimal that's the whole aspect i'll try to uh, explain now ladies every month we get visited by anti-flow some people like it some people don't but obviously we have to use some sort of um sanitary towel or tampon whatever it is to keep anti-flow at bay or at least keep anti-flow in uh check okay so when people are using sanitary napkins or sanitary pads as they are also called it is advisable whether you have light flow or heavy flow at least for light flow you have to change your pad four to six hours daily like even if you are towards the end of your menses it is advisable for you to do so if you are someone who usually has heavy flow then it has to be changed three to four hours daily and if you're using a tampon and you're going to go swim and you're enjoying your swim and all that don't forget to change it it has to be changed after every six hours without fail again the whole concept of us talking about hygiene is to prevent infections so if you don't do this you're more likely to prone to having bad order that's just a given bad order and you may not even notice it other people around you are the ones who notice it and deter- like it will basically cause a lot of people probably not to be around you or have an embarrassing moment where you have like a stain and all i feel like every girl every girl in their life may have had a stain one point or the other in their life i don't know anyway and the other is skin rushes because of the different chemicals and materials which are used for the sanitary pads and the tampons and all someone can react more to the substances and materials which are in it because of a longer exposure 
so that's basically it then with antiflog gone now people can actually enjoy their sex Yay! all right great so after you had sexual intercourse there are some things you need to know if you're not aware or if you're not practicing it already you have to clean up after yourself after you've had your intercourse it's like it's just another hygiene that needs to be talked about a bit more that you need to clean up to yourself in terms of either just going straight to the shower or going to the washroom and using tissue to wipe your area down and all because you have to understand there are a lot of secretions there which have come out um, both from the guy and from you so it wouldn't be right for you to just have such amount of secretions lingering around and not being able to clean it because it just creates a medium for all bacteria to be there and to finally grow do you get what i'm talking about so yes that is advisable for you to clean after yourself and another thing is it's also advisable for women to go pee men and women actually to go pee after they've had their sexual intercourse it's able to clear the urethra urethra is where like it connects to your bladder so you're able to release your urine so when you go pee it also cleanses out your urethra again reducing the chances of people getting infections we're all just trying to fight infections people yes okay now let's talk about showering depending on the culture the country or even the seasons that um people are in you find some people who shower twice a day others who shower even three times a day if they have the time and others who should just shower once a day it is advisable that men and women generally should shower at least twice a day whether you feel like you have been sweating or not trust and believe your sweat glands are doing their job so you will have some sweat on you whether it's dried up or not so it is advisable for people to shower twice a day in general all right now there are some practices that women do when it comes to showering and their private area which we need to talk about one of the things is when you're cleaning that area your vaginal area you are advised to have water just run down like flowing water just running down not you aggressively going at it and scrubbing or using very very harsh soaps and like those scented soaps thinking you're gonna clean your vaginal area much better please note if your gynecologist has prescribed something for you such as a v wash or um some sort of um vaginal wash that is prescribed for a number of days it's not forever and ever amen if it is prescribed for you then you should adhere to what instructions you've been given however for the general population please avoid harsh soaps and scented soaps in the aim of thinking your vagina is gonna be sparkling clean all right now the other thing that we need to talk about is called douching douching is a french word mm-hmm, and it basically means to wash or to clean so you can google all this stuff if you want to learn more french but douching let's talk about what douching is all about so like i said it is a french word for washing or soaking and it's basically a method which is used to wash out the vagina and it usually has a mixture of water and vinegar 
it can be sold at um, pharmacists, chemists, supermarkets even, and they can contain antiseptics and fragrance, so they smell really good. It's like a small device because you literally have to squirt it up there into the vagina, like all the way up there, and you can even have a have it in like a spray form or have it in a tube form for it to go up and the advantage here is that they feel much cleaner and feel like you know my insides are good to go you know however unfortunately disadvantages definitely outweigh the benefits do you people remember your chemistry in high school do you remember something called ph whether it's something is very acidic or whether it's alkaline or base-like. Well, the vagina naturally has an acidic environment. It has an acid, it has a pH of 3.8 to I think 4.5. So that is considered acidic. And the whole point is to able to fight against organisms which are not meant to be the harmful organisms basically. Douching, however, changes this environment. So you feel like you're actually helping your vagina at first with douching, but in the long run, it changes the environment. So it prones someone's vaginal area to have more infections than they actually should, if you get what I mean. Some of the infections include bacterial vaginosis and also having things such as pelvic inflammatory disease and this is an infection of the uterus fallopian tubes and even the ovaries and there's a research which was done which stated that there's a higher chance of someone who does douching to have a 73 percent higher risk of getting the pelvic inflammatory disease so you can see how serious it is and even worse for people who are trying to get pregnant it has been noted that, again, via research, people who douche more than once a week actually have more difficulty in getting pregnant because the environment has changed. So they're not able to allow the sperm to be able to actually travel as much as person who does not over douche does. So this is definitely not to scare you or anything of the sort, but I would like to obviously pass on that information now. If the environment has changed and you're someone who's a culprit of douching a lot and if and definitely by now the environment when I mean environment I mean the bacterial flora there there are normal bacteria which are meant to be on your body and even in your vaginal area that is very normal and there are abnormal bacteria which are not meant to be there so if someone does have more abnormal bacteria in that environment than they should have the normal then you are advised to be taking probiotics what are probiotics they are basically healthy bacteria that you're introducing to your body so they help to digest things better and create a more stable and more normal bacteria environment for you and that also applies to the vagina so you can take it as supplements or you can even um, take foods which have which are probiotic considered drinks such as kombucha um, things such as yogurt and it's not putting the yogurt down there people it's actually eating the yogurt okay yes yeah, so like yogurt um, 
my Koreans like this thing called kimchi, which is really good. And it's a huge probiotic or fermented foods with things which are fermented have high levels of probiotics or the normal bacteria. All right. So just to give you a side note on that. Another thing which is usually encouraged for good um, vaginal hygiene is to reduce your sugar consumption. I am a sweet tooth, so this is hard for me, honestly. But it has been noted that reducing sugary foods actually reduces the trigger of lots of yeast growing there. Yeast is a fungal infection which can definitely happen around that vaginal area and it's quite common in a lot of women. But reducing your sugar intake and boosting your hydration so lots and lots and lots of fluid can really help in reducing bacterial overgrowth and definitely improving your vaginal hygiene. So if you're a sweet tooth like myself, then it means you have to really amp up the water and just pace yourself and try and reduce the number of sweets or sugary foods that you take. Now, the last bit or the second last bit that I would like to talk about is the pubic hair. Yes, people, there are some people who like to literally leave it bare. They go for the bikini wax and all and they're looking nice and fresh and they're happy and airy. There are other people who like to keep a small bush, which is also okay. And then there are others who just adore having a huge bush. It's all your preference. Now, it is advisable either way for you to be trimming the hairs around there so that it's not too bushy and start attracting more sweat and creating more moisture there and now proning someone to having an infection. The ways for that hair to be trimmed, however, is that you use clippers razors are no longer um advisable because it's been noted that they actually cause micro traumas and micro cuts there which you wouldn't realize so like i had mentioned earlier in the podcast if you have cuts you're prone to having more infections coming there so these usually cause a micro cuts so instead how about you trim it with a sharp please note it has to be sharp not blunt scissors and just trim it nicely to your liking if someone is waxing meaning you're going to the parlor or you're going to be doing it at your home since we're in quarantine at the moment then it would be advisable to note the chemicals and the things which and the instruments that is that you they are using at the parlor and the technique that they're using you have to be a bit more patient with that area which has been waxed so try not to dive into sexual intercourse just then because you're gonna be in a lot of pain (laughs) yes so last bit now really you shouldn't actually ignore the signs of an infection and when i say signs i mean probably things like um increased itchiness redness around that area increased vaginal discharge which is not usually what you normally see um an increased order there are normal orders which women have vaginal orders that is that women have that's okay but when it changes to something you're not used to like a fishy order or very very sweet order which would probably mean like an infection a bacterial infection or a yeast infection then you now have to consult your doctor your gynecologist so please just be a bit cautious 
or a bit curious about how you smell down there. Okay? Alright. My fellow men, if you are still listening till now, I need to give you applause. You are doing great. Thank you for listening till now. Majority of the things I've said uh, in regards to the women also apply to men. Okay? There are a few different things that we need to note. But majority of the things that I had said earlier do apply to you as well. And that includes just bathing at least once or twice a day and keeping the penal area clean. And also clipping it instead of using razor. I don't know if men use razors there, but clipping it and peeing after a sexual encounter and cleaning yourself as a, after a sexual encounter. So those are the basics that you should know. So if you were listening till now, then you, you basically can relate to what's going on. Yes? Yes. Now, for men who have foreskin, aka they are not circumcised, this is the bit where I wanted to talk about um, just a bit more. You have to pay a bit more attention when it comes to your penal hygiene. Um, I say this because the foreskin is in such a manner that it's able to collect a lot of fluid in those pockets and fluid collection means medium for growth of bacteria simple so you have to be quite careful about that so when you are cleaning there you have to remember to also clean between those pockets again please use non-scented or uh, none of those harsh harsh chemicals just mild soaps and lots of running water to be able to clean it to avoid any sort of smell okay the other thing is because of the foreskin and its potential to have an infection men who are uncircumcised usually do are prone more to infections so it gets inflamed and when that happens please avoid bubble baths bubble baths are amazing granted but the thing that you don't realize it you unless you keep changing the water really fast you're kind of creating like a bit of a medium with the warm as much as it's relaxing it tends to still create like a medium for the bacteria to grow so you avoid bubble baths as well and wear loose underwear or boxes like that's a given obviously for people who are circumcised they don't have that much risk of getting infections if they are having normal hygiene practices such as just regular cleaning daily washing and all that the thing you should note is for generally just men and uh, i've heard a few girls actually complain about this is after you pee sir make sure you shake it you know so that you can expel all the other droplets because when you don't then it stains your underwear and then you walk around with a stench and no one wants to be walking around with a stench nope anyway and don't forget to wipe this business of men not wanting to wipe that area with tissue baffles me but oh well it is advisable as a form of general hygiene because moisture 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 i will say it all over again if you have moisture you're prone to more infections down there that's just a fact now before i finally finish on all this hygiene talk mothers 
when you have your newborn baby especially like your boys and you find some weird whitish or yellowish um oily like substance around the area especially uh, babies who are not um circumcised please don't freak out it's actually normal it's just accumulation of oily substances bodily oily substances under the foreskin so what do you do you wash it off it's called smegma so yes especially for the first time mothers and they've seen something and they're freaking out please don't just ask your doctor if you're not sure what it is but it requires you to clean under there a bit more frequently and also in the long run if you're planning to get him circumcised or you want to do it in the traditional manner when they're much older like which is quite common in african cultures then you just need to realize that that place has to be cleaned a bit more than usual okay thank you so much for listening to me rant about hygiene it's something which is really dear to me because i just feel like people don't want to talk about this and then they get a lot of misconceptions and do a lot of funny things to their body and you just wonder why so now that you have this if you're like an older brother and you have a younger sister you can listen to this and then pass it on to her if you're single dad you listen to this you're able to help your kid better or if you're a young female or even an elderly and you still haven't figured out all the intricate details now you can if you have more questions for me i am always willing and i'm always available to be able to answer all the questions to the best of my abilities anyway now all that is done about hygiene let's dive right into the fun fact of the day did you know it takes only 17 muscles to smile and 43 muscles to actually frown yo unless you're trying to give your face a bit of a workout smiling is a much easier option for most of us anyone who's ever scouted squinted or frowned for a long period of time knows how it tires out the face which doesn't do a thing to improve your mood you know so next time you want to start frowning and getting all upset just think so tiring how about i just smile it only takes for 17 muscles anyway you know anyway i adore you people for listening to this episode and i'm just glad you're able to come here again and vibe with me anyway i'll let you guys go for now we'll talk soon have a nice day bye